Beth McGinnis, and this is Here in Alabama. In the summer of 2019, I was walking down Washington Street in Marion, Alabama with my husband. There's a bookstore in Marion, a bookstore and coffee house and all kinds of things. It's called As Time Goes By, and I wanted to show my husband this. Recently, the bookstore has closed, but in its heyday, the owner, Charles Flaherty, held First Friday jam sessions there and also trippy, hippie Halloween parties and even kitten weekends. Across the street is the Backwind Photo Gallery, which has a rotating collection of pictures from Marion's history. In the window of the photo gallery, we noticed a sign advertising the Great Crossroads Project. It was going to be a team of Brazilian and Alabama poets and performers who would explore African diasporic songs and poetry from Alabama's Black Belt region and from Brazil. The performance was going to be the next night, and I knew I had to go. Later that evening, we went into the bookstore and discovered the Crossroads performers there, hanging out and dancing. Charlie Flaherty insisted on giving us a piece of cheesecake, even though we had eaten catfish at Lottie's restaurant down the street and we were stuffed. I came back early the next day so I could meet the musicians and ask permission to record them. I spoke with them during a rehearsal break, and they asked if there was anywhere close by where they could get some snacks and drinks before the performance. Well, I wanted to earn their trust, so I set out for the closest place to buy quick snacks, a gas station a couple of miles away. The juice, fruit, and crackers I came back with were a tiny price to pay for what I experienced that evening. Crossroads Group stayed in Alabama for a month that summer. They performed in Selma and Tuskegee and Birmingham, and then they came back to Marion to finish the tour because they had had such a great experience that first night. They had such a powerful effect on me that I heard and recorded them three more times after that first night in Marion. After the Brazilian musicians had gone home and the dust had settled, I spoke with co-director Lloyd Bricken about the project. Lloyd had studied at St. John's College in New Mexico. It's a prestigious classics and great books program. By 2001, he had become very successful as a professional actor. But the whole time, there was this, this creeping feeling of, well, and so what? kind of from every every performance and this was in contrast to the fact that like I was getting uh, role after role after role with the best companies in the city um, so it was like well I should feel successful right but there was this sense of well but where does it all go like we we sometimes have these incredible experiences you know working as a company together but then the performance is finished and you know, it stops. Um, I was hungry for something that I couldn't yet name. Around that time, Lloyd began to immerse himself in the writings of Jerzy Grotowski. Um, so he's this, this Polish theater uh, genius who also left the theater in, after a great worldwide success. Grotowski had studied performance techniques that exist in various religious traditions around the world. And he was asking these questions like, well, if we look at what they do in Katakali, if we look at what they do in India, if, they, if we look at what they do in, um, 
various rituals in Japan, in various rituals in Haiti. If, we, if I bring masters from these various traditions and we work together, can we find something that would be like, I don't know, behind the differences? Mm -hmm. Is there something that these things are all striving for? What is that? What are they trying to touch? Lloyd applied to the work center of Jerzy Grotowski, where Grotowski's disciples were continuing his work. But Lloyd didn't get much in the way of response. He also experienced a personal loss around this time. I also had the uh, kind of coincident experience in those months of my father's death, um, which created this, I don't know, like the kind of opening that happens in a way with grief, where you just have this tremendous longing for home or what is that? Yeah. I really wanted to come back to the Deep South in any case. So I, again, I didn't really know why, but I came back after, um, after some time, visit my father's grave in rural Tennessee. Lloyd connected with some musicians he grew up with, and he ended up traveling the country with their alternative rock band. When they were not on tour, Lloyd would come back to Birmingham and comb through old records at the downtown public library. He found one that just said Parchman Farm, 1945. He didn't know what it was. So I took it home, uh, put it on my record player, and <laughs> proceeded to have, uh, I don't know, some kind of epiphany um, that from the first notes of hearing this, this recording, uh, these, were, these are uh, prisoners. Uh, Parchment Farm uh, is the largest of the, um, of the prison farms in the, in the Deep South where basically like the conditions of slavery never finished, you know, I mean, it's, it's laid right out there in the 13th amendment, like, okay, slavery's finished, but if you're in prison, we can do what we like to with you. And it's no accident that the prison industrial complex starts getting created right at that moment. And Parchment Farm was known around the Deep South, as I've learned since then, like to be the most savage and the, the worst of anywhere. If you went to Parchment, it was, it was a death sentence. So regardless of whether you were there for a lifetime or not, you know, you probably wouldn't leave anyway. Um, but the music that came out of there, uh, the recordings that were, that were done there by John Lomax and then his son, Alan Lomax, uh, who then returned there after some time. One of the things I've noticed about Lloyd is that he immerses himself passionately and completely in whatever he's working on. This is what happened with the Lomax recordings. He found other recordings from Alabama and other parts of the South, and it wasn't too long before he started taking every weekend to visit churches in Alabama, Mississippi, and around the South. He visited the Georgia Sea Islands and got to know the Gullah and Geechee cultures there. Everywhere he learned songs, and he started creating performances of them that combined singing, dancing, and acting. I remember this church in Montgomery County um, where 
it was like old black, uh, old lined out hymns. Lining out is an old tradition in black and white gospel music. The leader sings through a phrase quickly to remind everyone of the words and tune, and the congregation joins in at the normal tempo. Often the leader and group will overlap. someone got up and led a song and then another woman got up and led the second song after this and she just kind of erupted out of the the from the I was sitting toward the back of the congregation and something just it was like it was like the uh, the temperature and the pressure just shifted in the room like physically everything changed there is a name oh There is a name. There is a name. It's hard to describe. It was as if something grabbed her, you know? And she just kind of went up in this flame. But, uh, and the whole process lasted about two minutes. But what was incredible to me was the way in which the entire, pretty much everyone in the congregation, like, got up and articulated around her. And moved with her so the song was was taking place in the bodies of the people and articulating around it and in it and through it that's what is the song not just her voice or what she's singing but the song is moving through all them like you know the, all the hairs were standing up on the back of my neck and um, I was just absolutely blown away uh, and I thought to myself after this I was like well if you could do that again if you could repeat that <laughs> what is it to repeat that but if you could do that again you maybe would have the basis for a whole new kind of theater does anybody love that name Lloyd finally got accepted as a participant in the work center, where once again he was able to immerse himself thoroughly for nine years. We work six days a week, eight to ten hours a day on our craft, and then you go home and you do the administrative work of the theater, so it's like a non-stop uh, process um, of work. At the work center with Lloyd was a Brazilian musician. His name is Luciano Mendes de Jesus. Luciano was doing Ph.D. research on a musical tradition that has all but died out, the Vasungo style. Luciano was traveling all over Brazil to find living masters of the Vasungo tradition, just as Lloyd was traveling all over the Deep South to find Southern songs. Lloyd and Luciano found that the roots of these musical traditions were the same. It's interesting because the roof of the history is the same 
about to survive, to keep alive, to make our descendants with a better condition that we have, that we have. That was Hito Tellus, a member of the Crossroads Group. Because it's a tradition that's almost gone, you know, in terms of there being people that will, that are still singing it that were taught by their grandfathers and the grandfathers and the grandfathers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, too, like it's, mm-hmm. it's really a worldwide die-off that we're seeing of these types of things, that the singles is just being one tradition um, among many, 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 many. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very precious. It's a precious time to be able to be involved in something like this. So Lloyd was collecting Southern songs and Luciano was collecting Vasungos. When they worked together, they experienced a kind of spontaneous combustion, like a powerful chemical reaction that happened when they brought these two repertoires together. Lloyd and Luciano directed a group of musicians in Sao Paulo. Like to create a whole new theatrical piece and then perform it uh, and produce it by the end of the month, um, which is what we did. And the whole thing by the end, this was so, this was in 2018. Um, and it really started to take off by the end of the summer. It was so exciting. And so even before I got on the plane to fly back to America, we were like, well, what about part two? Let's go to Alabama. So we started working on the grant the day before I left, you know, which eventually we got and brought them here this year. You've both been exploring your own roots, but um, um, such deeper and broader roots as well. The roots of this music go deep, and they tap into what one of the Crossroads group members described as spiritual nutrients. In the next episode, we'll hear more about these spiritual nutrients and the deep roots Lloyd and the Crossroads group found. Here in Alabama is produced by me, Beth McGinnis, and oral historian Michelle Little. Would you like to hear more fascinating human stories or even tell your own? You should check out Michelle's oral history company, Akusate. That's A-K-O-U-S-A-T-E dot com. We're supported by a grant from the Alabama Humanities Foundation. Special thanks to Lloyd Bricken and the Crossroads Group. I'll let them introduce themselves. My name is Hideo Kushiro. My name is Rita Telles. My name is Jean Rocha. My name is Salomão Jovino. My entire interview with Lloyd is available on my website, hereinalabama.com. That's H-E-A-R in Alabama.com. The prison music from Parchman Farm is in the Library of Congress collection, Southern Mosaic, the John and Ruby Lomax 1939 Southern States Recording Trip. You can find it at loc.gov. The church music is from Prove Well Baptist Church in Sprott, Alabama, and the soloist is Dr. Pilar Murphy. You can hear more about Provewell in a later episode. I'm Beth McGinnis, and this is Here in Alabama. It makes a long time, man.